A swing and a long drive. Left center field. Way back to the track. To the ball. Grand slam. Diaz. The Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show is presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Swing and a ground ball off the pitcher's up to the second baseman. Got him. A complete game, 5 nothing shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show. Presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. And welcome back to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Presented by Amaran. Chris Raby back with you. Mike Claiborne along as always. Ben Boyd, our executive producer back in our Cardinals Network studios. And we welcome Tom Ackerman down to South Florida. Great to have you here, man. And great to put another week of Cardinals action in the books. We're a month into spring training and just a few weeks from opening up the regular season against the Cubs at Bush Stadium on April 2nd. Time flies. I love this time of year, especially in mid-March when you get the spring breakers down here. You see a lot of Cardinal red and you start to get that feeling of urgency from the players. They know that we're getting to the point where you're going to see cuts. Players are going to start to be moved to the minor league team. The roster gets a little bit smaller, and the competition starts to rise for some of these spots. And the Cardinals will be that much closer to April 2nd against the Cubs. And I think this is a really good team, Chris. I I don't know how far they can go with this current team, maybe they make a move midseason and try to bolster it. But I can tell you what, right here, right now, this team, the way it's constructed, is capable of going to the playoffs. Well, we've got a really exciting show coming up for you today as we will visit with two members of the Cardinals outfield. Center fielder Dexter Fowler, also right fielder Stephen Piscotti. And boy, has Fowler changed the dynamic of this club already. A couple of weeks into the Grapefruit League schedule, both with his presence at the top of the order and roaming center field. We'll talk to another outfielder whose presence has been made known. He plays a little first base too. That's Jose Martinez, one of the standouts this spring already for the Cardinals. Made his big league debut after nearly 900 minor league games last fall. Had a great end of the season for the Cardinals and has picked up right where he left off so far in the month of March. Mike Gersh, Cardinals assistant GM, will be with us. We'll talk construction of this team and some of his thoughts on how they'll look going into the 2017 season. We also hear from David Bell. We'll hear from Rick Horton and get a look at some of the early season promotions for the Cardinals from Megan Eberhardt. So a lot to get to, Tom, and it just seems like as he is in our show uh, announcing his presence in the second hour, Dexter Fowler has announced his presence all over Cardinals camp already. The top of the order, he's getting on base. He's moving around the bases. He's scoring runs. He's moved physically Randall Gritchick from center field to left field as he moves into center, bolstering the Cardinals' defense and really bolstering the clubhouse. I think everyone's talked about what a great addition he's been, what a great presence he's been, and just a fun guy to be around both on and off the field, it seems. First at bat, bottom of the first, Bush Stadium, April 2nd. The Cubs are in town, and Dexter Fowler will be the first batter that they see. He'll be wearing a white Cardinals uniform, and it's really exciting for this organization to have a winning player like that. And this goes way before the Cubs. They had their eye on him when he was with the Rockies. The big, tall, leadoff guy who can do a lot of things. When he was at the Rockies, he used to come over to live at Shannon's. He would hang out with Don Baylor, and he'd come over there and sit around and love to listen and talk ball. He is a baseball guy. He loves being in a baseball town, and he was great for the Cubs. They were a better team when he was with them, and now he's with the Cardinals, and I think that it's an excellent addition for a lot of reasons. He does, as you mentioned, everything well. He's just a good ball player. 
But also, he does change a lot of things. He changes Randall Gritchick, as you mentioned. And when Matt Carpenter gets healthy, you have two of the best on-base guys in the game batting in the top three spots, and not a bad one in Oledmus Diaz projected as your number two hitter. So if you go one, two, three, you're coming at people with a lefty Fowler, a righty Diaz, and a lefty Carpenter, and then your big boys waiting. The Cardinals potentially have a very good lineup and can once again produce a lot of offense. But as we all know, this team isn't going anywhere unless it runs the bases better and fields the ball up the middle better, and they've accomplished that with Dexter Fowler. Yeah, Fowler, Mike Mathiti described as a pest on the base paths, and you mentioned the outfield. How about moving Randall Gritchick over to left? He made a play over the weekend that I'm not sure very many left fielders get their glove on as he turned his back and started an all-out sprint to the left field foul pole, reached up over his shoulder, and hauled in what would have been an extra base hit, scoring a couple of runs against Adam Wainwright. Instead, it got the Cardinals out of the inning. So it's just been fun to watch and fun, the name of the game when it comes to Fowler, his presence in the clubhouse, off the field, interacting with fans on Twitter. Uh, There's a lot to like about the Cardinals' new center fielder. Even on the off day, Tuesday, he was tweeting at people saying, all right, I have my off day. What do I do, people? Come do some radio, Dex. (laughs) That's right. And it just exploded. So fans are loving it. They're going to have a good time with Dexter. And I do think my breakout player this year is Randall Gritchick for that reason. I think that he can play in left field. Now, I'm not sure how he or anybody around the team could answer this right now because we're in March, but I think if you answer it in September or hopefully October, you could say that Randall Gritchick feels much better in his lower half that he and and maybe upstairs that he doesn't have to think about center field as much, but it's less wear and tear on his legs, and he might have a better base late in the year to hit some long home runs for the Birds. Well, we certainly hope so. We've got a pretty good base. I've got a pretty good base. My arms were Cardinal Red for a little bit, as you said, but we're off and running another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, Tom Ackerman, Mike Claiborne, Ben Boyd, all with you back in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Jose Martinez is having some sort of spring, and let's talk a little bit about what did you do differently this year coming into a spring training, your first in St. Louis. Did you do anything different to get off to such a great start? I mean, um, you know, um, I've been working a lot for like the last 10 years, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's been a grind, like, I, like I've been saying, my, the whole interviews, all, all the guys that I asked me. Uh, so it, I don't think I changed nothing. I'm just, I'm just trying to be in, in, in consistent, you know. If, if, like, I'm, like for me, if you, if you're trying to like get in, in, in a bat and, in, and trying to just make something happen, something's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like just concentrating, to get good at bats, and, and, and trying to be on base. And other than that, you just, you just get, get, stay positive and, and go out there and just try to do the best. That's something. That's a good point you make. I haven't seen you give away an at bat in the spring where it seems like you got a really good idea of what people are trying to do to you. You've seen enough pitching, not as much big league pitching obviously, but you've seen enough pitching to have an idea. Yeah, it's, I think if you have a plan like in, in every single in every single at bat and just playing attention that the pitcher is throwing in in, in every um, like different counts and situations, I think that helps you a lot. You know, just trying to be in the game and and when you go in a step on the plate, you, you have the idea of what you're gonna do with that. If like if you want to get aggressive, you're gonna say aggressive. You're gonna say like let him, let him throw the ball and and go deep in the count. So I'm, I think like I'm I'm kind of handling that pretty well uh, and and I'm taking like um, like 
really serious when I go there, and and everything is, is going well. Like for me, the top, the 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 the, the thing is, is like if you can get a three two every day in, in every in every bat, it's, it's gonna be a good bat. You know what I'm saying? A productive bat. So that's on my mind every every single every single bat. You, know, bat. you really seem like you have a comfort zone, not with the strike zone, but with your strike zone. Where I've seen you foul off pitches that were borderline strikes, knowing that you couldn't drive that ball. When did you pick that up? I mean, when when is a when it's a fighting mode is is kind of like like for me I don't like to strike out you know that that's one thing that I don't like um, I, I make me feel really 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 like mad because um, like like it's always a pitch that you can you can at least put it in play you know if if you strike out you like it's either it's either a pitcher make a good pitch or or you didn't like. Uh, like recognize the pitch before, like um, uh, before we pass over home plate, you know. So, like, I was always concentrate and, and use if it's if it's right there, close that, I, like, like like the pitch I can handle, like I can just put it in play. You know what I'm saying? And 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 for me, like, I have to stay in the same in the same like routine. I have to stay in the same thinking of that. You know, I can't get out of way. And, and get out of the way of the bats, especially when, when everybody's seeing that. I can go out there and, and just follow those pitches, go deep in the count and all kind of stuff. And you can just show out there and, and try to just swing out of my shoe one day and then swing out of my shoe the next day. You know, everything's like, <clears throat> everything's like, like, uh, like, uh, like for me, like I said, it's a routine every day, like in the cage, in BP, and in the game. It's, everything stays the same every day. And, and I know that for you, You've seen fastballs all your life. When you get to this level, guys throw the breaking ball. I see that guys trying to throw you a cutter in, and then they throw you the slider to mm -hmm. see if you take a bite off of it. Yeah, it was a good pitch. I mean, like like the first base was hope was open, and we was trying to he was trying to spend the zone and, and trying to use uh, showing me in, showing me in. I was I, I took some a couple of good sliders, mm -hmm. but in the three two he made a pitch. I'm saying it, it was a good pitch. I saw it right in the zone, and then and then he like it just dropped dropped down. You know what I'm saying? He's, I give him I give him the benefit of the doubt because uh, like like I saw it all the way as a strike. So um, everything uh, like I think that that's gonna happen. You know that's gonna happen. The pitch is gonna make pitches, and, and sometimes we. Just hit the wall and go. Just drop, you know. How much first base did you play before you got to spring training? Actually, I played like a like seven games in winter ball. And, and the reason why I ask is because there was a game uh, in Washington where the pitcher was kind of having a little bit of a moment, and and you just realized he needed to catch his breath for a second, and you came in and just kind of got him back or basically push his reset button for him. And that's why I was wondering because a lot of first basemen wouldn't have picked up on this guy might need a breather. You've been staying in the outfield all your life. For you to pick that up says a lot about paying attention. Yeah, I mean, when, when like I said, it's been new for me, you know what I'm saying? But I, but I think you, 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 like, either know you guys, like like you said, the, the, the pitcher needs a break. The pitcher needs, like, a little more breath. They just walk around the mound and, 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 and start from zero, you know? And, and when you're in the infield and you're trying to be, like, a teammate, you got to be, you, you got to be paying attention to that. Like, sometimes a teammate needs you, like, not even, not even, like, a, like a advice or something. He use something like 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 putting him in a better position. You know, like make him think out of out of that situation for a little bit. You know, ask him where you're going to dinner tonight. Yeah, or something like that. Hey, like like hey, how you feel, man? Like like, like you alright? Like what's going on? You know, not not even mentioning like like where what what's happening. He just trying to get him out out of out, out of the situation. So so he just you you can't like for me. I I've been, I've been learning not even for me. I've been from the game. 
you know those those players that that they know how to do that they do that in, in a perfect time so I, that's why like I watch game and I and I love I love the, this kind of this kind of this kind of sport because everybody help each other and if if we, if you got a team like that the team's gonna be possible all the way up. You follow the World Baseball Classic? Of course, for sure. That's, that's I have to I have to follow my my uh, my country and and I know it was a crazy game yesterday. So they all seem to be crazy no, right mean, now. I mean I mean like I said uh, they 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 giving all they got you know mm-hmm. it's 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 a tough tournament you know. When when they say they're not ready, they ready, and, and you just got a couple of us out of spring training. So they they giving everything they got, you know. Uh, they, they representing our country, and, and we have to just go all the way with them. You know, when I, I said to someone yesterday, what we've learned about the tournament is there's never enough good pitching in the world. Yeah, like I say, like 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 with everything, like in, the good pitchers are saving their arms right now. You know, they 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 trying to save their bullets. Like like our Venezuelan team, uh, I think the, they got like a little difficult with that. But uh, like I'm saying, we got hitting. <laughs> we got well, definitely we got hitting. So if if the games can finish like ten to two, ten to eleven, I mean, I mean at least we win. You know what I'm saying? It's, like I said, it was a crazy game, and and, and I know all the, the our pitching staff they're doing out their base over there. And I'm saying I'm like, giving credit to Italy. They took they took a lot of a lot of a lot of good pitches. They 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 battled through through the end. So you gotta give credit to them too. It's fun watching you in that Cardinal uniform continue success, and we'll look forward to seeing you on opening day in St. Louis. That'd be fun. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Let's, let's see what happens by the end of this spring training. This season, the Cardinals are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1967 World Series Championship and the 30th anniversary of the 1987 National League Championship with great replica ring promotions. Get your tickets now through the five-game ring pack or as a single-game ticket on sale at cardinals.com. We take a break. When we come back, we will visit with Cardinals assistant GM Mike Gersh. That's next on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back in Jupiter, Florida, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day joined by assistant GM Mike Gersh. What's going on? Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. At this point of the spring, we are about halfway through. We've seen a good number of games. What are you watching? What are you paying attention to? And what are you finding valuable from an evaluation standpoint on a day-to-day basis, Mike? Uh, I mean, we were just joking a moment ago. I, the biggest thing for every spring training game is that all the players leave the field under their own power without Conroy or Olsen standing next to them. Uh, just stay healthy. So yeah, for the most part, we've been we've been good there. So. Um, Obviously, we like to play well. We like to see the guys do well. We like to win games as much as possible. Um, but again, it really it's about health. I mean, this is we've played. We we're starting to play a decent number of games, but guys are playing four or five innings, getting two at bats a game. You know, I, I have no idea what our most played appearances is, but we're still in the twenties, I think. So you know, a good twenty at bats isn't you know life changing. So uh, stay healthy, keep keep making progress, and we're we're in good shape. The role of an assistant general manager is all-encompassing. There are a lot of things that you're responsible for. Give us an idea of some of the things on your daily list of things to do. At this time of year, a lot of what we're doing is is uh, sort of administrative paperwork. You know, all of our players, you know, arbitration players get their contracts settled, but we have to get the paperwork done. Pre-arbitration players, we have to talk to the agents and 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 uh, settle on that and get all those that paperwork done. We have insurance for them. There's a lot of stuff like that, and then. We're also at this part of the season sort of experimenting with various technologies and new ways of doing things in the minor leagues. And um, I help with a lot of that in terms of different, you know, different ball tracking systems for pitching. And, and we have guys who come in to sort of show off their wares. This is a common time when 
different companies make their make their way around Florida or in Arizona showing off this new contraption or that new thing and so we're always you know dealing with that sort of stuff um, just a little bit of everything helping you know talking to Flo every now and then about what's going on in the amateur world getting the pro scouts off and running for their season so just helping out in all the departments yeah, a lot of moving parts too once all of the minor leaguers get here you see guys here now for folks that don't know but how many guys are in camp right now and what are kind of the uh, moving pieces when guys start going back from big league camp to minor league camp. You have the step campers in now. Everyone's here. It's almost controlled chaos at times around the facility. Yeah. So so big league camp is on the order of sixty players or so, and that's our forty man roster plus non roster invites. Um, and those non roster invites include both minor league free agents who have big league experience. You know, guys like Jordan Schaefer or uh, Todd Cunningham, guys that you know you've been seeing in the games, and also some some young kids who are in camp. Like, for example, we need catchers, right? At the beginning of camp, we got a lot of pitchers throwing, and we need lots of catchers to catch them. And so there are some guys who've been in camp and may or may not have even been in a game yet because they're just they're here sort of to get a taste and, and to see what's going on. Step camp starts a couple weeks later, and that's an early program for some of our better prospects, some of our uh, guys out of the draft who are sort of their first time going through spring training, give them a chance to sort of, like you said, not jump into the controlled chaos, jump into a, a little bit more controlled than, than the bigger one. Um, and then minor league camp is when basically the rest of our minor league players come in. And, you know, we have seven uh, U.S.-based affiliates. So, you know, roughly speaking, we have 200 players, give or take, in total in the minor leagues. Now, some have already were part of big league camp. Some came with step camp. But, you know, we're now close to 200 players, you know, around the complex and uh, using the fields, you know. And we're, as we move guys out. So we'll start moving players from big league camp to minor league camp, often to get them more playing time because, again, some of them just don't get in the game because there's not enough at-bats. Some of the pitchers need to start, instead of throwing one inning in relief in a big league game, need to start stretching out to get ready for their starting role in the minor league season. Um, and so they'll move out of big league camp and start playing on the backfields with the minor league teams. And an added wrinkle, too, with the World of Baseball Classic is that you have some other guys that are in and out of camp, but maybe one of the positive consequences, an opportunity for some guys who might not get in a game to you know, be around the club, maybe get into a game, or at least stay with the big league club a little bit longer? Yeah, I think, I think it's been a good opportunity for some of our kids to, to, um, to play more. I mean, like for example, like you know, Carson Kelly and, and, and Eric Fryer, because Yadi's not here, have gotten way more innings than they otherwise would have gotten. And because they're playing so much, some of the younger guys have gotten in for a couple innings here and there that otherwise they probably wouldn't have. So, yeah, there's definitely a trickle-down effect in terms of opportunities for guys to, to you know, not just be at Big League Camp, but sort of be in it, you know, take, take part more fully. You know, we, we've talked before about the analytics and how things are measured these days in the game. What are some of the trends that you're seeing now that may be here to stay? Because it seems like it changes almost every other year with regard to how we measure assets these days. Um, I, I think, so I, I would push back a little bit on this. I don't think it changes every other year. I think we just get new data. Mm-hmm. We're, we're always getting new information. And so we have the same sort of framework for trying to evaluate and, and, and put a value on players. It just changes what data we have. And, 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 and okay. I'm not to interrupt you, but I did. Uh, <laughs> so how do you make sure you don't have too much data overload where, you know, we see players maybe sometimes try and overprocess too much stuff. What about you and your crew in making sure there's there's too much that, you know, you start to sift through and you say, you know, we're we're just going around a circle here. Yeah, I I think I think some people have the perception that that we take the data and and sort of like make our own judgments on, on, on how to use it. And what we really do is we take the data and see how well it predicts future performance. And if 
you can give us all the data in the world. If it doesn't tell us how a guy's going to do next week, next month, or next year, then we'll just ignore it. Because if we don't know if we don't know how to use it to predict future performance, then it's not really all that valuable to us. So, and that's one of the things I was talking earlier about people who come, you know, hawking their wares and trying to get us to buy new products. Some of them are really cool. I just have no idea what the purpose is, right? You're like, wow, that's really neat. No idea why we want that or what we would do with it, but it, it's a, a cool thing you've built. Um, and so we, you know, we try to take the data we have and see how we can use it to predict the future. That's really what we're in the business of, is trying to predict future performance. And I think the biggest change there is StatCast, which everyone has heard about by now in terms of tracking the players on the field and actually knowing how far an outfielder ran to make a play or how fast the guy went from first to third. I mean, that's all new information that it appears you can say if he can cover this much ground, you know, on this play, that's a good indicator of how he'll run, you know, how much ground he can cover in left field on all future plays or whatever, right? And start using that to build up a a system of evaluating defenders in a better way than we could in the past. Yeah, I was having fun looking the other day at uh, the outfielders and the guys who caught the highest percentage of balls that had the lowest likelihood to be caught. And a lot goes into that, right? When you look at your defensive goals for this year and how your outfield has changed, what's your outlook for this club defensively, especially, I guess, those three outfielders compared to how you guys have looked over the last couple of years, Mike? Well, I think... I think we talked about, Mo talked about it all offseason. You know, one of our goals was to either sign an athletic left fielder or sign a center fielder so we can make Gritchick into our athletic left fielder. And as great a player as Matt Holiday was for us for a long time, as he got older, like like all of us, he became less athletic. He was a little slower off the ball. And, and, and he went from being probably an above average outfielder when we got him to, to you know, to, to, to not by the time he left. So, um we're, op- we're op- optimistic. I think we have three guys out there, all of whom are good athletes, all of whom, you know, like want to be good defenders. We don't have anybody out there who's just sort of wants to be in the batter's box, but knows I have to stand here, you know, for nine innings a day in order to get in the in the batter's box. So, um, I think we'll have I think we'll have a good outfield, and I think it'll be a little bit more of an exciting sort of you know cutting cutting balls off in the alleys and you know making stuff happen defensively, which. Yeah, we're not we're not back to the mid '80s or anything, but we're we should be in a better place. We saw yesterday a pretty remarkable play by Gritchick as he took off and was running towards the left field foul pole and made an over the shoulder catch. That's just because of the position, not necessarily something you see all the time from left fielders. Yeah, I think I think Randall was was a solid center fielder, but in center field you're being compared to some of the you know elite athletes in the game, and when you're in left field you're being compared to to, to generally not the same level of, of defender, and so I think we will be pleasantly surprised by some of the plays he can make out there. Everyone has a different path to the big leagues, and yours is unique. What, what, what's the thing that motivates you every day? Because it, this is a sport where every day you come to the ballpark, you can learn something new. But for you and your position, what are some of the things that intrigue you? You know, th- this isn't work, right? Like when I, when I, had, a, when I had a quote-unquote real job, I spent a lot of time reading about baseball, thinking about baseball, you know, playing fantasy sports, doing all the stuff that, you know, a lot of your listeners probably do. And the fact that I now do that every day and it it counts as work, right? Like when my wife's like, what are you doing online? Oh, I'm working. Like all I'm doing is reading and, you know, and thinking about stuff. Um, So that, that makes it easy. You know, staying motivated in a job that you love is, is a lot easier than, you know, I used to be a consultant and worrying about how some Fortune 100 companies, you know, Central American operations, you know, gross margin. It was hard to really get all that excited about it every day. But um, you see the product out here. Yeah, you get to see it and, and get 
much more immediate feedback on how you did, right? I mean, there's wins and losses, you know, there's, there's like a scoreboard that tells you how, how things are going in a much more immediate way than when you're, you know, working on some two year consulting agreement with some company that, does, you know, like it just, it, it's, it's different, it's fun. And, and you get that satisfaction when things go well and, and, and you feel it when it doesn't. And so it's not hard to stay, stay excited and stay motivated. So with that being said, what is your excitement level about this club this year? What, what kind of ball club do you think you have? And it's a different situation for the first time in a while that you guys are, are the underdogs, not just in the league, but, but in the division. Yeah, I think um, I'm excited. I think we have a really good team. I think, honestly, like where, where we're ranked in the division at this moment is not all that important. I mean, at some point late in the season, it will certainly matter where we are in the, uh, you know, in the division race. But at this point, you know, as you look forward, our job is to win as many games as we can and sort of figure out where we are down the road. And I think we're in really good shape to have a, a sort of fun, exciting season, typical of the last five or six or seven or 15 or since the DeWitts bought the team. I mean, like, we, we plan to be in it all the way to the end. Mike Kirsch, Cardinals assistant GM. Appreciate the time. Have a great rest of the spring and looking forward to April 2nd in St. Louis. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks. Subscribe to Cardinals Magazine and receive two free tickets to a Monday through Thursday home game in 2017. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. We just talked outfield defense with Mike Gersh. We'll do it with one of the outfielders. Stephen Piscotti joins us next on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back on Cardinals Countdown to opening day in Jupiter, Florida, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne joined by Stephen Piscotti. What's going on, man? How are you? Doing great. Just enjoying spring training. Another week of games in the books. You guys, offensively, have been scoring a lot of runs and, and been scoring a lot of runs in different ways. What have you seen from the offense uh, to this point, Stephen? You know, it looks just solid. You know, every game we seem to be putting up runs and guys have taken really good at bats. And uh, it's exciting to see. Um, you know, I think last year in spring training we were kind of, you know, I think our record's probably closer to 500, but now we're just winning ball games. So I think uh, it's a great sign. It, I mean, it means nothing, but I think it's a great sign. You mentioned taking great at bats, and that doesn't always mean you're going to put it in play. I've watched a lot of guys fight off good pitches. We've seen guys not get themselves out as much as we have in the past. What have you tried to do? Because I, as you and I talked the other day, you're just a tick away from really finding that groove. Um, you know, I think spring training is a, is a great time to kind of work on things and not to put too much weight into the result. The results have been coming, which is great. But, uh, you know, I think um, it, it's all about finding that rhythm and timing and, and trying to implement the stuff that you worked on in the offseason into the, into the real the game situations. How much, do, how much do you experiment at this time? Uh, things maybe you did in the cage during the winter, and now you get here and you say, ah, let me play with that a little bit and see if I can find a comfort level. How much of that do you do? Quite a bit, honestly, um, it, at least for me this spring. In springs past, um, you know, I've had a few things I was working on, but it wasn't anything huge. Um, this year for me, finding... Um, some weight on my backside has been kind of my challenge, something that I haven't really done. So it's um, it's thrown off my contact point early in spring, but um, you know, it's it's what I want, and I know it's going to kind of recalibrate itself. And I'm I'm really excited about um, some of the changes I'm making. I know a lot of guys are going through the same same type of deals, and um, the fact that they're getting results already is, is a great sign for them, and, and definitely a confidence booster. 
So what's that process like when you do make tweaks and changes? How do you take it from the offseason into spring training? And how do you take it from your work in the cage that you guys do out on to the field against live pitching in the game situation? It's definitely a process. The The fact of the matter is you can feel so good in the offseason when you're hitting off the batting practice pitcher every single day. You can just time time that guy up and... I mean, you could stand on one leg and hit hit really well. But when you actually get into the live situations where we do against our own pitchers, you can tell real quick um, what's going to play, what's not going to play. And uh, so that, that's kind of the initial stage is, okay, that ain't going to work. I got to kind of go back to what I did. Um, and and kind of some of the the leftover muscle memory will, will stay with you, which is good. Um, but <clears throat> certain timing things kind of just have to go out the window. But um, that's what spring training is for. You talked also about uh, getting some feedback and the organization wanting to get a little faster, maybe a little more explosive. Have you seen that translate for you? And what kind of tweaks did you make to your off-season training or, or what you usually do? For me, I, I've never felt so athletic and healthy going into a me. into a season. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> everyone's turning over. Changes. Yes, everyone's turning over a new leaf. Um, no, I, I feel really good. Usually, my knees are the are what's barking for me. I get some uh, patella tendonitis, but uh, it's it's not even existent right now. And I, I attribute that to a lot of the work I did in the off season and then working with the trainers now to have a um, a game plan for when we're having these long days, keeping your knees healthy. And um, you know, that's half the battle. If you feel good, you're going to run and, and and move around quickly and, and whatnot. So um, you know, I feel really good about that. Can continue to, to make sure that's, that's in the forefront of my mind is staying healthy. And, um, ultimately it's going to make us all more athletic. You played a lot of baseball last year and you went through a lot of different situations for you. What did you find that teams were trying to do to you as far as getting you out? And, and how do you counter that? That's a tough question. I, I don't, it's not that I don't know, but I didn't notice a, a pattern. Um, I, I noticed sometimes some patterns between um, certain staffs. Like the, I remember Pittsburgh would attack me a certain way, and then Cincinnati had a, had a, a way they attacked me. Um, but from the overall standpoint, I, I, I didn't feel like I was getting out in one way. <clears throat> Usually when I'm getting out, I'm chasing a little bit more, um, but I'm chasing all pitches up, down. Um, and so I will continue to be aware if, if patterns start to develop, but I, I felt like... Um, last year was good in the sense that um, when I was getting out, I felt like I was getting myself out. What did you learn last year about just what it takes to play a full big league season, not just physically but mentally as well? And I know that I feel like oftentimes we talk so much in the industry about pitchers and about slowly building up their innings, and this guy goes from 100 this year to 130 to 150. But with position players sometimes, I think fans maybe take it for granted a little bit that guys that haven't played a full big league season are thrown right into the fire and uh, what goes into that that we don't see off the field yeah I mean going back to last year I definitely hit a, a bit of a lull and 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 uh, slow period in late August early September in those dog days um, part of it was mechanical and that's why I was struggling but I mean there was some fatigue in there for sure and I think um, I didn't pace myself early in spring training and in the beginning of the season I would go to the cage and basically try to improvise and and, and uh, fix my swing over a course of an hour, an hour and a half, and taking all these swings. And um, it, it kind of worked. You know, I, I remember specifically we had a rain delay against the Cubs, and I went in and took 50 swings with, with um, Coach Mabry. And 
it, I got to hit my next at bat. But I mean, like, it's not setting me up for success. I think later on. So um, this spring, especially, I've really been trying to pace myself. I'm not going into the cage searching. If I have a plan and it doesn't go the way I want, I just shut it down and, and go to the next day. And um, you know, I have a lot more confidence in myself after being through a full season that I know it's going to come around. Um, and so I, I want to get in there and work, and that's my initial instinct. But I'm, I'm really trying to. Uh, kind of taper my swings, and that way I have more, more energy in the, on the back end of the season where it's most important. We, we talk about how it can be a grind for a player on the field. What did you? How did you try and find when your downtime took place? What are some of the things you like to try and do to get away from it, where you can look forward to getting back into it when it first start when it starts again? Yeah, I mean during during the season you have to have kind of the, those little mental rest uh, periods. For me, it was playing guitar in, in the. Uh, what kind of music? Just country stuff. Um, I'm a big country fan, so any any song I like, I try to figure out how to play it, and um, it, that would just take my mind off off things. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be hard to do, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that type of thing. Um, my family came out a bunch, and they can take your mind off it as well. So um, it, it's a long season. It's a grind. I wish there were more breaks in the, in the middle of it, but. Um, that's just kind of the way it is, and um, you gotta you gotta find ways to, to keep yourself sane. What what you've been part of now? A couple of different evolutions of this club. A couple years ago, I went to the playoffs, lost to the Cubs last year. Um, kind of the start of transition, and that continues now, especially with your new center fielder. What's it been like to get acclimated to Dexter on the field, playing next to him in the innings that you've shared to this point? And what's it been like to welcome him into the clubhouse and, and have him as a teammate? He, yeah, he, he's been awesome. He's absolutely the perfect blend of, of all facets of the game. He he keeps it loose and fun um, to where we're not out here just grinding our gears and um, getting tired and getting in bad habits. He, he keeps it loose and fun. But when you talk to the guy about baseball, man, does he, he have such a vast um, kind of information bank on pitchers, on situations, and he loves talking about it. He loves talking about it. <clears throat> and... Uh, I mean that's that's exactly what you want. You want someone that's going to be enjoyable to be around. You can be fun. You can be loose. But you know when it, when you're out there for the game or, or getting ready for a game, you know, he's all serious and, and, and talking and, and um, sharing really good information. So I mean that's pretty much the definition of a perfect teammate. So um, he he fit in um, has fit in great. I mean from day one. So it's it's been awesome. And I'm excited to play next to him. We talk about offense, 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 but. Are you excited about your outfield defensively? How, how good do you think your group of three could be? Yeah, I think. Plus, plus whoever comes off the bench. Yeah, I, I think I think it'd be really special. Um, you know, Dexter really improved his defense last year. Going to continue to to talk to him and kind of take little bits and pieces of what he did to make himself better that that could improve our game. So, <clears throat> I think. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll be running around like crazy, making catches and throwing people out. Final question for me. Um, you mentioned you talked to Fowler. How often do guys sit in a room in a clubhouse or on a bus or wherever and just talk the game? I know that in, in the old days when guys didn't have a lot of money and they had a lot of time on their hands, they would sit around before and after games and talk about it. What about now and when is the good learning time for you? Um, you know, I think that's going to – I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I will say, you know, in the, in the first few days we were down here, we kind of had a team team dinner. Whoever just wanted to go could go. It was a very casual thing. And, um, I mean, we talked baseball for an hour and a half at, at that dinner about 
what makes good hitters, and there was a couple pitchers there, what they thought um, were the toughest guys to, to get out. Um, and so that was initially right off the bat. Uh, when you get to spring training, I mean, there's, there's times for it, uh, but these days get long. So sometimes, sometimes it's just kind of beating a dead horse. Like, you, you got to be engaged in the conversation, not just having conversations for just to have it. And so, um, you know, there's been, there's been definitely times that, that we've talked the game here, but I, I don't think it's quite as frequent as people think. Um, but, I, again, I think that's just for our sanity because we're, we're living it every single day. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, those conversations just come about kind of organically and, and, uh, but they do happen. Stephen Piscotti, have a great rest of the spring. Appreciate you joining us for a couple of minutes. No problem. Thanks, guys. Join Arf and Tony LaRussa at Bush Stadium for an unforgettable evening at Wine and Whiskers, rescheduled for Saturday, April 1st. A wine and food fundraiser at the Redbird Club Reserve now at arflife.org. Back to wrap up this first hour of Cardinals Countdown, opening day next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to wrap up the first hour of the program of the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Chris Raby this week alongside Tom Ackerman and Mike Claiborne. Ben Boyd, our great executive producer, back in our Cardinals Network studios. Thank you to Jose Martinez, Mike Gersh, and Stephen Piscotti for joining us in our number one. What a spring it's been for Jose Martinez. I promise that is not the last you will hear of him as we continue to move forward over the next few weeks. Excited for our number two, Ricky Horton's going to lead us off. Well, then... Visit with the leadoff man, Dexter Fowler. He bats second in the second hour of the program. David Bell will be along as he gives his perspective on another year. The very steady Cardinals coach joins us, and Megan Eberhardt checks in to tell us about uh, uh, some fun promotional items. Cardinals opening at home for the first time in quite some time. So that all comes your way in hour number two of the program alongside Mike Claiborne and Tom Ackerman. Chris Raby with you as Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emmering continues after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a long drive. Left center field. Way back to the track. To the ball. Grand slam. Yeah. The Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show is presented by Emmering on the Cardinals Radio Network. Bringing a ground ball the pitchers up to the second baseman. Got him! A complete game, 5 nothing shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day in Jupiter. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne joined by Rick Horton. Another week in the books, another handful of games in the books. Rick, thanks for joining us. Oh, you bet. Great to be with you, and it's, it's interesting how a spring training uh, progresses, guys. You learn a little bit more about the players. Uh, injuries start to become a factor, and things start to come into focus. But uh, still, plenty of time left for guys to to show what they can do. What point in spring training do you see guys need to find their legs again, or pitchers may have not necessarily a dead arm, but maybe a little bit of a fatigue situation? Well, it's, I think it's different for pitchers and hitters. I think hitters are typically after about five games, they're ready to go. They say, "Let's get out of here." <laughs> they get tired and they're just, they want to get locked in and leave. Uh, but you know, pitchers really—it's such a slow development process in spring training. You do have to go through that. Boy, it just doesn't feel good today phase, and then work through that, and then um, kind of get that next plateau. And I think it's about mid-spring training when the arm typically is uh, is dragging. But these guys are are clearly you know game ready when they get there. They're breaking sliders off. They're they're throwing hard. The guys throwing 94, 95 um, day after day down here, and that's that's unheard of. You know, that's interesting. You bring that up because. And a few years ago, guys would come in and just pump fastballs for the first two or three starts. I'm watching guys throwing change-ups and cutters and things of that nature in their second start, in some cases their first. 
They're trying to make a team right here, and, and you can't blame them. The, the carrot's really big right now, uh, guys. Obviously, to be a, to be a big league player, you want to uh, take every uh, advantage you can of your opportunity. You always have a lot of minor league free agents uh, in camp. Cardinals uh, started out with sixty eight guys, and you know if you're going to get noticed, you're going to have to come and be ready. And it, that again, very different than the way it used to be. But you know, I think they've got it down to a science that the minor leaguers are here now, so we're going to start seeing guys. Uh, uh, progressing over there uh, to the to the minor league complex so they can get their innings and I think that's important for uh, the young pitchers to uh, to get back with their team and, and get ready to to compete at the triple-a or double-a level so as we see the outings a little bit longer as we see the pitch counts ratcheted up a little bit more someone like Adam Wainwright what, what are you noticing from him as he goes from start two to three to four and, and the days are a little bit longer well Wayno looks a lot better this year than we've seen him I think the past couple of years and he's very confident and I think you know, confidence is is uh, not something that Adam hasn't had, of course, but uh, but I think he's really feeling that he's figured something out with uh, with his breaking pitch and his and his, I also like the fact that he's throwing 92 miles an hour here. I mean, we didn't see that. Uh, much uh, of him last year, and he actually said he normally doesn't even reach 90 miles an hour in spring training, even when he's had good years. So I think it, it could be a resurgence of, of something in his mechanics where he just feels together. Of course, uh, you know, he's a year uh, further away from the, the issue with his Achilles, and maybe he's just got a, a more solid base. But, uh, you know, I've been kind of, uh, I don't say lukewarm on our expectations about him, but I, I have not been thinking, hey, let's, let's consider him the ace still because age catches up with everybody. But I also said uh, that I don't. I wouldn't put anything past him uh, to uh, find a way to to impress and and be a big winner again. We've got two pitchers in the rotation that are either coming off of rehab or surgery. What is the process of making sure that you don't spend all the bullets and use their innings up early? And who, what pitcher is going to compete for that role of being the spot guy? Because I think you want to be very careful with both of these guys, especially if you think you're going to be in the hunt. Well, if you're Michael Waka and you're Lance Lynn, it's interesting. I think from the club's point of view, you're thinking, well, let me see, let me see their pitch count. Let me make sure we don't get them to regress physically. Let me let's make sure we develop them along a path. But but the thing that goes on in the head of a, of a Michael Waka or Lance Lynn is they got to prove to themselves that they feel good, and that's a different thing entirely. That's a you know I need to let this go. I need to let it eat one time and see you know how I feel the next day, how I feel at the moment, how I feel the next day, and just to make sure and prove to myself that I'm that I'm whole. And and so I, I think that's more important. I think Waka's been able to do that so far this spring. I think Lance Lynn has as well. And we see Lance Lynn throwing more breaking balls uh, here, which I think he wasn't able to do, Chris, when uh, when he was hurt. He was just basically fastball, fastball. So I think we, we've got uh, a good progression with both those guys. Yeah, and, and Waka especially, I've been so impressed with not just the velocity, because 95, 96, but he's been there over the last year or two when he's been on the field. But the ability to locate that fastball, all of a sudden then the changeup and the curveball are back into play, which he hasn't had consistently the last few seasons when he's had some struggles. When Wainwright and I talk about uh, talk about him and his uh, uh, kind of his ability to pitch, we both agree. We both talk about the fact that his fastball. Everybody talks about his curveball, but when the fastball's right, the curveball's great. And I think you can say that about Waka. When his fastball's right, the changeup's great. And and if the fastball's not right, guys just spit on the changeup. They won't swing at it. They won't. They won't even uh, offer at it. And he feels like he has to be nastier with it. So uh, I think he's in a better. Group 
groove right now. His changeup is his changeup is a plus as far as I'm concerned uh, when he's right. And uh, the Cardinals really need him. I, I've thought the last uh, few years, you know, you kind of say, well, who's the who's the bellwether guy? Who needs to have a good year for this team uh, to to do well? I, I always kind of come back to Waka because you, you know what you're going to get uh, for the most part with Lynn and Martinez and 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 Leak. Uh, you know what you're going to get, but with Waka, it could be tremendous or it could be injury it could be really I mean you don't know what it's going to be and and you know the fortunes for the Cardinals I say still uh, rest on his shoulders the one guy who's been under the radar here in the spring has been Mike Mike Leak he's been really really good and you have to wonder how much did he erase from last year where he pitched well but his defense let him down and then he had to alter his style do guys kind of wipe that off the chart and just say I'm going to go out and do what I used to do and hopefully we'll catch the ball this year well, he's a smart enough guy. I think he's going to kind of stay within what he does, and and I think that the uh, certainly the narrative right now that everybody would agree with is the Cardinals were not very good defensively last year, which hurt him the most. I think it hurt him by far the most because you know he's not the kind of guy that can get four outs an inning, and he you know he's not a strikeout guy. Uh, the the cautionary part of of thinking about Mike Leak is the Cardinals' best pitcher last spring training by far was Mike Leak. Mike Leak did not, and nobody hit the ball hard against him, so he could just be the guy that you know he's a pitcher. That's what he does. And guys are looking for timing, pitching, throwing off timing, and he's a master at that. So the question will be, does he uh, continue to get the defensive support once the bell rings in April? If I'm a defender, I'm I'm loving when I'm behind him. You're going to get a lot of work, but he is just efficient. And just when he gets into a rhythm, what we saw it, as you mentioned, last spring, and We've seen it this spring. It's just efficiency. There's not a whole lot of wasted anything with him. Well, I think hitters uh, hitters don't quite know what to do with a pitcher that has an idea of how to attack you. So, so you can you can really watch it. The more you watch it, you look at a pitcher work and you say, "I he's got something he's trying to do here." Some guys don't. Some guys are just rocking and throwing, and that's it. And here's 99, and uh, you know, you see if you can hit it. But but with Leak, he's really kind of trying to trying to get you out, trying to get you off balance, trying to get you in, out, up, down, and he's, and changing speeds and all that. And so for a, from a hitter standpoint, that makes it a challenge. You, you have to think about three things instead of just one thing. If you're thinking about 99, big league hitters can gear up for that. If you're thinking, boy, it could be a changeup, might be a cutter, uh, Andy's working quickly. You have less time to think, too. Think about it from the hitter's point of view. The defender likes it, but the hitter doesn't because he, you know, he's trying to get himself ready, and the pitcher becomes the aggressor when he works faster. I think that's something maybe we don't talk enough about, the effect not only on your defense, but what the effect is on the, on the hitter at the plate. I want to get one thought in the lineup from you, and uh, obviously the offense has looked different over the last few years. Last year it was power, it was home runs, but the thing that has kind of stood out to me, and I'm wondering your thoughts, is that uh, again, take it for what it's worth, spring training games, but, but they seem to be consistently manufacturing runs in all sorts of different ways. Game one of spring training, Dexter Fowler walks, gets moved to second base, uh, or actually steals second base, gets uh, moved over to third, scores on a sacrifice fly, the Cardinals scored a run on no hits. You know, Last year, it seemed like it would take three hits to score a run, and that has not just been the very first run, it's happened throughout the spring, and, and I think it's kind of you know infected other people, too. It's not just Fowler. I think you, we're seeing more first at third we're seeing more uh, stolen bases and again you know you got to do that when the bell rings too you can't give up on that you got to you got to keep playing defense you got to keep harping on the importance of defense and base running and and it's not the it's not the wow stuff as far as people are concerned the wow stuff that we're going to listen to the highlights and watch them on tv the highlights are going to be the 450 foot home run and 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 you know what those are good too but but the things that win ball games are fundamentally sound defense good base running and pitchers that throw strikes it's it's always been the case always will be 
Rick Horton, appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. Always good to be with you guys. This season, the Cardinals are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1967 World Series Championship and the 30th anniversary of the 1987 National League Championship with great replica ring promotions. Get your tickets now through the five-game ring pack or as a single-game ticket on sale now at cardinals.com. Back with Dexter Fowler next on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. With Dexter Fowler, you've had a few weeks now in spring training. Give me your feelings on how things have gone so far. That's gone great. We're winning games. We're having fun. And, uh, you know, the boys are loose. For you, I noticed you're trying to do a lot of things, working on your game. Uh, what's the one thing you wanted to try and focus on when you got to St. Louis? Um, just comfort, being comfortable here. Um, you know, you go to a new place, and a lot of times that's that's the problem. Guys aren't, aren't, aren't really comfortable. And, uh you know, it's just getting in and, and getting your routine down and, you know, with the time schedule and everything. And for you, time, I know being a switch hitter, and I want to talk a little bit about that because that seems like that's always an ongoing pro process for you. How much time do you try and allocate to that from both sides of the plate or if you're facing a series of right-handers, do you just focus left-handed? What's that approach? I try to do it even, even uh, even every day. I mean, you never know when you're going to face a lefty or righty or whatever. But uh, obviously I'm facing more more. Uh, righty so I'm, I'm getting a lot of left in at bats but um, you know you got to stay sharp on both sides and for you you mentioned coming into a new situation new new team getting loose having fun there's more to Dexter Fowler just showing up looking to have a good time we've noticed that and I think I hear a lot of young players talk about how they listen to you and you tell them things and now they start to pay attention to things a little differently yeah, it's a, it's a matter about watching a game and uh, just understanding the game, you know, being a student of the game. I think that's huge. Um, you know, you can learn a lot just by watching. And who's the person that you watch? I mean, you've been in the game for a while now, so this isn't new to you. But who are some of the people you watched along the way? Um, you know, I watched, I watched like Todd Helton in the beginning and, and uh, you know, being on my team. And then you go in and you and you see – I like to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So I, I ask a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, having Barry being my mentor, it um, it definitely helps out to, to, to get through some of that stuff. Other than Tommy Pham, who asks you a lot of questions on this team? Uh, everybody. Everybody. Uh, you got you got Wonger. You got, you know, uh, me and Carp bounce things off of each other. You, Adams. Greg, everybody, Rich, you know, Stephen, it's everybody. It's not just one guy. You know, and the other thing we noticed, and, and Mike Bethini said, you can kind of be a pest on the base pass. I've watched you, especially when you get on third base, where you do everything other than run out and grab the guy in order to get his attention. Uh, you like having fun, and you like pushing that envelope. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, you know, I always told a pressure bust a pipe. So, you, you know, you got to put pressure on them and, uh, and see how they respond. You know, one of the things we've seen, you've had seven walks so far in the spring. You're being very selective. Is that something you have acquired here in the last maybe two, three years where you now find out where your comfort level is as far as your stroke? Yeah. yeah you got, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get a good pitch to hit. And if you don't get it, you know, you take your base and, and pass the baton. And, you know, I've always uh, I've always taken that to heart. So, you know, if, if I haven't gotten a pitch to hit, I'm not going to swing. 
and going first or third or something, it's like a jog for you. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some times where I didn't even think you were in high gear. You were standing up at third. What's that all about? I mean, you just seem to really have a good – and I know it's how you cut corners too. I mean, this is something fun- fundamentally if you want to watch somebody run the bases, that's something you really have mastered. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, it, you know, having long legs helps. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it makes it look like you're, you're not going as, as fast as, as what people are doing. But uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, I, I take pride in, in base running. And um, you know, and and try to get the best jumps and and, and have the best angles I can. Well, this spring training thing can be a little bit of a drag. At what point do you start to zero in on the season? Uh, do you want to make sure you don't burn yourself out in at bats and certainly in the field? So when do you start to lock in? Uh, you know, towards the end, <clears throat> towards the end, you start ramping it up a little bit. And uh, you know, at the beginning, it's more about seeing the ball. There's there's, there's processes. It's a process, and I've learned it along the way. It's, it's I can't even tell you how many spring trainings I've been in, but uh, you know, it's it's now it's about you know getting knowing your body and and, and getting it ready to, to to play that 162. Knowing your body, that's interesting because at a young stage in your career, you do things differently. Now, at 30 years old, you know things a little different. So, how do you prepare differently physically? Because it is a grind. I mean, a lot of games, and you're a center fielder, you're running all the time. Yeah, it's it's about. Um, like you said, it's 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 trial and error. You know, you you you've been around. I've, I've been around the game and 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 learning what what makes me what makes me click and what loosens me up and, and staying on that routine. And, but like I said, it's comfort and, and getting back in the routine and and, and and trying to figure out what works. Won't be long. You'll be jumping out of one of those Ford trucks, man. We'll get this thing going. There it is, ready to go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Join Arf and Tony LaRussa at Bush Stadium for an unforgettable evening at Wine and Whiskers, rescheduled for Saturday, April 1st. A wine and food fundraiser at the Redbird Club. Reserve now at arflife.org. We're back with David Bell next on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Emeron on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. David Bell is the Cardinals bench coach, and he's been with the Redbirds for a few years now. I always like to get together with you, especially at this time of the year, when we get into spring training because of the planning stages. And this is something that I've always found to be intriguing because you don't waste any minutes around here. Everybody's got something to do every time of the day, and I know you and you get some help from some other guys in putting that together. When do you finally start to put everything together to get ready for a spring? Well, we waited up to the last minute, really, this, this year and tried to plan it really when we got here and make it as efficient as we possibly could. I think it's been a success. I think we're getting good feedback from the guys. Guys are still fresh and strong. And if we can leave here with guys prepared and still strong and, and refreshed at the same time, that's right where we want to be. And you know, even though guys come here in shape, it's not like it used to be where you played yourself into shape. You're just trying to refine things at this point. That's exactly right. Guys come in ready to go. They're in physical shape. They do have to get in baseball shape, so we provide that opportunity for them. And they, you know, it's really important to get the repetitions, but at the same time, not too much. You know, they got to be sharp. They got to be, when they spend time working on something, it has to be important, it has to be essential, and it has to be. Uh, the right amount because anything beyond that is just a waste of time and a waste of energy and you just can't afford that in today's game not only in spring training but certainly as we go into the season it's just a long season and that is to this day the biggest challenge that we all have so if we can if we can uh, make sure these guys are ready to go not waste any time and uh, do what's important um, 
that's half the battle. And these guys have done a great job of realizing what they need to do. They've had some freedoms this year to do individual work. They've, we haven't kept them on the field standing around, so they have the opportunity to really think about what they need to do to, to best prepare themselves. And we couldn't be more pleased with how they've responded to that opportunity. And there's a, somewhat of an honor system with that. Uh, I don't know if you do it with every team, but these guys are all professionals at how they approach things. And, and I'm sure they see the reward, and reward is, as you mentioned, they're fresher and maybe more effective. So for you as, a, as, a, as an assistant, and certainly as a bench coach, where do you draw the line when you have guys that maybe spend too much time in the cage or are doing too much running? Is there a fine line you try to make sure they don't cross where they burn themselves out and develop bad habits? Uh, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, the challenge for us is to, and it's been like this for a while, is to keep them from doing too much. It's, it's never that they're not doing enough. These guys, they get to this point in their career, they're self-motivated individuals. There's no question about it. So you're right. The challenge is to make sure that they don't do too much. And some guys, it's more of a challenge than others. And what you find is guys end up using that work as a crutch, you know, as a mental crutch. To, they feel like they're doing doing it doing it and to a degree it's okay but at some point it becomes a hindrance to the, how they perform they're tired you know it can lead to injury and we just can't we can't afford that so there's a lot of time spent uh speaking about those things instead of working hard work smart exactly work smart the the we've all heard it but the quality versus the quantity one of the things that i wanted to run by you and i've asked this question you guys work on a lot of drills, a lot of fundamentals, and, and reminding yourselves on where to throw, who's to cover, things of that nature, even base running drills. But when you leave here, you don't work on it as much. Is that something that may change where the muscle memory stays in place, where it's not every day? And I know when you played, you took infield every day. Are you going to make any adjustments with regard to how you approach that when the season rolls around for certain guys? We are. You know, we're... We're coming up with uh, new things really every day. I mean, there's research out there that our, some of our coaches are doing an incredible job of um, learning new ways to, to help these guys prepare. Some of that work is, is most of it's individual, you know, and, and it may look different than it has in the past, um, you know, our pregame preparation, and it may, may be more individual work and the schedule may be a little bit different. And really the idea is to try to recreate what it's like to be in the game while you're practicing if you're going through the motions and just getting your work in there's a place for that but that's not really when you improve that's kind of when you just kind of stay stay the same so if we can recreate those game-like situations in practice even if it's three minutes instead of ten that that's the goal that's the idea And, and we can't forget too that the in baseball especially the game is still the best practice yeah, you're right, and you know you can take all the BP over here, but they haven't figured out a machine they can throw cutters, or they can throw sliders like you're going to see at eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. Unfortunately, in our game, we have that opportunity pretty much every day. You know, and the guys that aren't aren't playing every day, you know, it becomes a little bit more important for them to get this work in. And as I mentioned, um, you know, an example, Ollie Marmol has just been. I've been going out to the half field with him just watching and listening him work with these infielders and he has some great ideas you know you kind of oversee a lot of different things we talked about couldn't putting together the spring training but you work with a lot of guys just making sure that it's being taught the right way is that a good way to look at it and making sure that everybody's on the same page 
Yeah, that is a good way to look at it. You know, obviously I, I have the good fortune of working close with Mike, and then the other part of my job is just to kind of make things are going, you know, make sure they're going smooth, and um, the coaches are organized. So I guess, in a way, I'm kind of, uh, kind of, I, I work really close with everybody, but making sure that the coaches are, you know, spending the right time in the right areas, just like we do with the players, you know, making sure they're being, being efficient with their time and the communication is just so important not only amongst ourselves as coaches but then uh, with Mike so that's kind of I can kind of be the go-between there and it's been great because we have guys that are working really hard as coaches and I've had the the freedom this year and a little bit more time to kind of float around a little bit and just kind of oversee things get feedback and make sure um, things are running the way we we wanted to and they've they've exceeded our expectations in all areas this spring. I'm wondering, last season was a year that none of us were excited about. I mean, we finished one game out, but there are a lot of pluses as far as development was concerned. Does it take a season like that for some guys to pay closer attention to detail and say, hey, you know what, maybe if I would have been a little bit better at that, we might have won. Because when you lose by one game, you can do the self-examination and there's enough to go around. Yeah, it, it becomes such an opportunity, you know, and you, it, it's one of those things that you look back and it either goes one of two ways. And we're very confident that with the competitive nature on this team, the experience, uh, the guys that we have in here, it can only be seen one way. And, then, and we've already seen that this spring. So now it becomes an opportunity to, to become better. And if you don't have that step back like we did last year, human nature you kind of just continue to go the other way and that, that's why it was it was tough to go through for the fans for all of us but you're right we only missed it by one game and there was a lot of lessons to be learned from that for you and mike you guys work together so much i mean you're sitting there right next to him for the games how many how much further ahead do you try and be than him when there's a decision that you anticipate I try to be as far ahead as I can, whether, you know, and, and, and I know he does too. Mm-hmm. That's both of our goals. And it's been an incredible working relationship. And, and uh, I'm very grateful to him for that because he's included me. You know, if he didn't do that, then I probably wouldn't be, you know, I, I wouldn't realize it is as important as it is to be ahead of the game and to be thinking. But I know that he's going to ask. So my opportunity and my chance is going to come when I need to help make a decision and I need to be ahead of the game. So that we're both doing that and I, the goal is if we're both doing that, then you know, not too much gets missed and I feel like that's, that's worked out really well. Yeah, and that's fun to watch because I, I watch you guys and you can see the wheels turning and, and knowing, okay, this situation is coming up. It, it's gotta be fun, but the bottom line is you make the decision, the execution still has to come about also. Well, sure, and, and also, there's going to be decisions that are made that turn out to be the wrong decision mm-hmm. or maybe even a mistake. Yeah. But the one goal that we have and one thing I'm, I feel great about um, for Mike and, and for myself is that very few times it has something come up that we haven't thought about it and haven't had a chance to think through and make a decision that we at the time feel good about. And like I said, the results are the results. But, but if we can do that, then... then the end of the day you can you can feel feel good about the effort you made how long do you carry a game when it's over with (laughs) 
Fortunately, I've gotten better. <laughs> better, you know. It's just you have to in this game. It's yeah. crazy, but um, it, it, that's nice too because we have the opportunity to talk things through at the end of the game and before we get in the car at the end of the day. The goal is to have, you know, put it in the past and begin thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't have a lot of time. Uh, you lose a tough one on Saturday and you got a day game on Sunday. You don't have a lot of time. You have to make to make a decision. Either get some sleep or stay up all night thinking about something you can't do anything about anymore. That's right. You know, it, it, and we all care and, every, you know, that, that's not a question. But at some point it becomes almost selfish to hold it, keep it with you because then you're right, it carries in the next day. And then, you know, it affects decisions you make. It affects um, that next day. So it's really important in this game. To, to be able to do that. Learn quickly and, and put it behind you and move on. What do you say to a guy like Jose Martinez, who you saw a little bit last year, anxious to see him this year? He's come in and not only done everything he's needed to do at the plate and certainly in the field, but just has really meshed well with this ball club. Do you ever try and cool him down and say, hey, man, save a few of those for April, or do you just keep him going? Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep keep going. and. Um, you know, we're 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 all seeing enough now. Or this isn't a, a temporary thing with him. I mean, he's he's been swinging the bat well, and he's been hot. And I, no matter who you are, you go ups, go through ups and downs. But this this guy can play, and he's getting better. And he's still young. And at some point, whether it's the beginning of the year or, or shortly after, he's he's going to contribute. Final final question for you. Aside from winning, what's the most enjoyment you get out of the game today? You played it. You've coached it. You've managed it. What's the one thing you get out of it more than anything else? Being a teammate, you know, and trying to be the best teammate you can you can possibly be in every situation that comes up on the field, off the field. And hey, that's we we can all relate to that because that that includes you know off the field with your family and friends. And if you can be a good teammate, that's the stuff that stays with you long after wins and losses. Have fun this year. Thank you, Clips. Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under. Tremendous membership benefits include two tickets to a 2017 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Bush Stadium, and much more. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub. Megan Eberhardt tells us about some exciting early season promotions next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Rebbe with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And again, uh, getting closer and closer. April 2nd, the Cardinals open against the Cubs. And then the first weekend series of the year. Man, does that sound great. Friday, April 7th, 8th, and 9th with the Cincinnati Reds in town. And to talk more about that, we say hello to the Cardinals Manager of Promotions and Events, Megan Eberhardt. Megan, how are you? I'm great, thank you. We are so excited to get to Bush Stadium. Always love the weekend games, and, and I always love that you guys have incredible promotional items for the weekend games, and the first weekend against the Reds, no exception. You guys are coming out of the gates with uh, some pretty great items for Cardinals fans. That's right. We kick it off on Friday night with the adult lightweight hooded pullover. It's presented by AT&T. It's blue, and it has the red and white STL logo on the front. I like that. You guys have had some nice uh, hoodies and uh, pullovers and various outerwear for the early and late season yeah. games over the last few years a practical item because you might need it around 10 o'clock when the game's ending on Friday night. That's exactly right. And this one's a little bit lighter than what we've done in the past, so it'll be perfect for those cooler summer nights. 
Cardinals.com is, of course, where you can go for tickets. Cardinals.com slash promotions is where you can go to see all of the promotional items. And then, man, how about this? Saturday against the Reds, it's the Yadier Molina bobblehead. Sunday, it's the Stephen Piscotti replica road gray jersey. So a bobblehead, a jersey, Saturday and Sunday against the Reds. Yadi, one of the great bobbleheads that you guys have this year, Megan. Oh, absolutely. Who doesn't love Yadier Molina? And this year, actually, his bobblehead will have a few random ones placed at the gates that will feature either a gold or a platinum glove. So there's only a limited number, so you won't know if you get one until you come to the game. And I love that 30,000 fans get that. So you don't have to get there, you know, three hours early. I've seen when I'm walking into the ballpark at 2 p.m., the boxes and boxes and boxes. But but all three of these items, the pullover, the bobblehead, and uh, the Piscotti jersey, which we'll talk about in a moment, 30,000 fans are going to get them. That's exactly right. Go to cardinals.com slash promotions. Tell us about the jersey. I know you guys have some great jerseys this year, both uh, the current players and the throwbacks. I think it's cool that you're doing the road gray Stephen Piscotti jersey. Yeah, we were excited to do this because for the first time in quite a couple years, we're starting on the at home. And so this is the last game before the team leaves for their first road trip. So you can wear this road gray jersey whenever you go and follow the Cardinals around all season. Also on Sunday, the kids' ticket voucher and a Prairie Farms ice cream. Sunday, we're starting early. You guys love the weekend games and especially those Sunday afternoon games all season long. Oh, yeah. They're a lot of fun. Cardinals.com slash promotions. And, again, you can see the items for that first weekend, uh, the lightweight hooded pullover. That's on Friday night against the Reds. The Yadier Molina bobblehead on Saturday. And then the Stephen Piscotti jersey on Sunday. Uh, the theme tickets night start right away in April as well uh, and into May. And, again, all the great promotional items are at cardinals.com slash promotions. Megan, I'm going to put you on the spot. i got to ask you about one more because we were talking about it down here at spring training. I caught a glimpse of it, the Carlos Martinez Matt Carpenter double bobblehead. Right. That's going to be Saturday, April 29th against the Reds. That is one of the coolest bobbleheads that I've ever seen. Yeah, we love it. We created or we took an action and created it into a bobblehead. So whenever a player hit a home run last season, Carlos Martinez would celebrate by splashing water into their face. So this is an action shot pause that Matt Carpenter clearly just hit a home run and Carlos Martinez is just seconds away from drenching him with water. And that's Saturday, April 29th against the Reds. And again, everything is up at cardinals.com slash promotions. Megan Eberhardt, appreciate it. It's going to be a great first weekend and a great season, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks at the ballpark. All right, we'll see you then. Looking for a great private event space for an upcoming meeting or party? Cardinals Nation Inside Ballpark Village is open seven days a week and has a variety of perfect spaces for groups of all sizes. For more information, visit cardinalsnation.com slash events. I'm back with Tom Ackerman to wrap up this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren right after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Visit the official online shop of the Cardinals at cardinals.com slash shop for the largest selection of authentic caps, t-shirts, jerseys, hoodies, collectibles, and more. Get your gear straight from the source at cardinals.com slash shop. Chris Raby back with Tom Ackerman as we wrap up tonight's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. And Tom, uh, you can tell that the season is getting closer. April 2nd, the Cardinals open up against the Cubs at Busch Stadium. Sunday night baseball, the baseball world will be watching and listening right here on the Cardinals radio network. And as we saw the first wave of cuts already early this week, you know the big leaguers are going to start to see more time uh, during these games. The pitchers are going to be stretched out more. The relievers will be used in 
bigger situations later in the game, and we're just getting closer and closer to baseball in April for the St. Louis Cardinals. And you're going to see pitcher starts to really bear down, and no longer are they testing out pitches. They are trying to get through their innings and see what works and work efficiently. And then when Yadier Molina rejoins from World Baseball Classic, oh boy, now it's on. Because your leader comes in and he establishes himself. He works with the pitchers. It's valuable time together and it's exciting. Once Yadi number four, comes back, it just shoots energy throughout the clubhouse. And, you know, when Puerto Rico was playing in the World Baseball Classic, they said that. That he they just like go as he goes, and it just shows you what a leader he is. He looked incredible in that game against the Dominican Republic. Carlos Martinez looked great, too. Yachty got the best of him in their battle, but how about Yachty just doing what he does? Everyone, again, I talk about the baseball world on display. I think we're spoiled in St. Louis because we get to see it every single night, but an incredible throw from Eddie Rosario and an amazing swipe tag from Yachty. An absolute peg down to second base. Javi Baez makes a great swipe tag. Yachty with the home home run. Yachty with an RBI single to put Puerto Rico on top, and all along the way, fist pumping, screaming, celebrating with his teammates. It's just a, a joy to watch him play, and for him to do that with his home country, with his brothers by his side as well with Team Puerto Rico, I know it's an absolute thrill for him. It's an honor for all of the Cardinals that have gotten to represent their respective countries, but how cool was it to watch Yachty or Molina against the Dominican Republic in one of the biggest games I'm sure he'll tell you he's played and he just absolutely was the star of the show. For a guy who had to sit all offseason knowing that he didn't get to play in the postseason, somebody who played for the 11 season with Tony La Russa, 12, 13, 14, and 15, all in the playoffs, albeit some of it injured, with Mike Matheny. Five years in a row he was in the postseason, and this this one he had it taken away from him. So he has a chance to play with a lot of on the line I'm sure that was exciting for him. So now he gets to come back and try to push this team into the playoffs. And, and Chris, to be honest with you, I really think that there are a lot of players on this team that have that edge now. Dexter Fowler brings that world championship excitement back into this team. But Adam Wainwright wants to have a better year. Lance Lynn's in a contract year and is motivated. Uh, Randall Gritchick and Stephen Piscotty, I'm sure, want to be better at what they do. But you have – players who are motivated to make things happen and be better. Mike Leak. How about and, Michael Waka? And Michael Waka, who's been terrific down here. So there's a lot to say about these players who have something to prove, and I think that'll be infectious in the clubhouse. At least that's the hope. And on top of it all, Mike Matheny. Thanks, buddy. Great to have you down here. I will talk to you guys from St. Louis next week. Tom Ackerman and Mike Claiborne continue here in Florida. And Ben Boyd, our great producer, back in our Cardinals Network studios. Thank you to all of our guests today. We'll look forward to talking to you next week, another week closer to Cardinals baseball. This has been Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Emerin. I'm Chris Raby saying good night on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.